0: And please turn with me in your Bible to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 11 through 22 uh, tonight. Are you ever plagued by the memory of a failure? I certainly am plagued at times uh, by the memory of a failure that goes back 18 years ago. Uh, When we were preparing uh, to move out here to New Jersey, uh, for me to pastor uh, the church here, Uh, we had owned a condominium um, in California. Uh, It was a small condominium complex. There was only six units uh, in the complex. And um, I had been very involved um, in doing things that would benefit all the residents in that small complex. Uh, For example, um, the big dumpster had to be put out once a week uh, out on the street for the trash truck to take. Uh, If that dumpster was not put out onto the street, uh, the trash would not be emptied. Um, And I I did that every week, put it out and then brought it back in. As as we were getting ready to move out here to New Jersey, You know, I felt like I had a million things on my plate that I needed to do uh, to wrap up things in California and to get us all ready uh, to drive out here to New Jersey um, and then to start the ministry here running. And uh, I've regretted ever since that I did no preparations for... That dumpster to be taken out to the street after I would leave. I just did it all on my own, you know. I really didn't have much communication with other residents about what I did. They benefited from that. They probably just expected it's going to automatically happen every week. I can only imagine what happened um, after we moved, and I'm. I'm absolutely certain that that first trash day, after we moved out, that dumpster was not taken out into the street, it probably already was overflowing with with trash, Um, and uh, they either would have had to figure out how to pay uh, for the trash company to come for an extra pickup, uh, or else they would have had nowhere to put their trash for the next week. I just imagine the disaster that probably occurred in trying to please the Lord, and getting ready to come out here, I utterly really failed to love my neighbor as myself. You know, I had a responsibility towards my neighbors uh, to communicate to one, probably better even to two, to the, the men who live there. You know, I've been doing this every Sunday night. You're going to need to make sure that now this is done. I, I'm, I'm moving on this date. You're going to need to make sure that it's put out every week at this time, and then brought in, and here's the phone number, if for some reason there's difficulties, and we have to order another, another you know, um, time for the trash truck to come and pick it up, here's the number, and here's how to do it. But I didn't make any preparations. I didn't show any care and concern for that continuing for my neighbors when I left. And that truly has plagued me ever since, because I, I cannot go back and fix that. I can't. Um, There are failures in all of our lives. Different ways that we have failed God or failed others, and uh, that can plague us. There are different kinds of failures. We come this evening in the book of Exodus to a failure of Moses. His intentions were right, but it was a failure. It was a failure that could have plagued him for 40 years, but it was a failure that was part of God's sovereign preparation of Moses for the ministry that the Lord had for him later on in life. We're going to be seeing something of that tonight. God is sovereign over our failures. And that He brings good out of our failures. He often is teaching us through our failures. He's maturing us through our failures. We'll see something of that tonight. I'm going to read Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. If you're able, please stand in honor of the Word of God. He answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and they drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father Ruel, he said, "How is it that you have come home so soon today?" They said, "An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock." He said to his daughters, "Then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread." And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. She gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. This is God's holy word. Please be seated. I want to remind us of the main idea of the book of Exodus. It has been some time since we have been in Exodus together. Go forward to chapter 6, verse 6. In chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, we see the main idea of this book. In verse 6, the Lord says to Moses, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. In verse 6, the Lord says, I will bring you out of the land of Egypt. I will redeem you out of slavery. And he says in verse 7, I will take you to be my people. So verse 6 refers to the the great event of the Exodus. And then verse 7, I will take you to be my people, speaks of what the Lord did at Mount Sinai when he made his covenant with his redeemed people. And promised, I will be your God and you will be my people. The book of Exodus is about God redeeming his people out of Egypt, taking them to himself at Mount Sinai, establishing his covenant with them at Sinai, and then giving the instructions for the tabernacle, in which the Lord would dwell in the midst of his people. That, that's the big picture, and it's important to keep the big picture in mind um, as we look at each individual passage. Now, I put uh, a couple questions in the bulletin. Uh, I, I want to discuss them right now. These questions are meant to to help you to think through the passage in advance. Uh, to, to, to think through the significance of it. Uh, what does our text show about Moses? Rita. Uh, he
1: was raised an Egyptian, but he identified
0: himself as a Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Yes. Raised as an Egyptian, but we see him in this passage identify himself with the Hebrews. Yep. Yeah. Murder. Kill the man. He stood up for those who were being
1: mis-
0: misused, yes. mistreated. He, treated, he stood up for those who were mistreated multiple times in this passage. Yeah.
1: I mean, is it the whole passage we're going through, or is, I mean, I could.
0: I, I'm not looking for everything that's said about Moses here, but just kind of thinking about big picture in this passage, just what are some important things um, that our text shows about Moses.
1: I mean, I could go down to uh, verse 17 or 18. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to jump around, you know. It's fine. And okay, because um, he saw that he lived a life of luxury, mm-hmm. and his people were mistreated. Yeah. That's when he goes and kills uh, the taskmaster. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then, then we knew that uh, the people found out about it. Mm-hmm. And we know that Pharaoh wanted to kill him. <coughs> so then Moses uh, fled from his dislike, and he went to Mi- uh, Midian. Yep. And he lived there as a desert shepherd. Mm-hmm. And then further on, then we... we uh, Meet him at the well. Yes, where he's with the uh, the seven daughters of uh, Midian.
0: Of the Midianite priest. Yes. yes.
1: And there were shepherds there
0: mm-hmm.
1: who wanted to, you know, chase the daughters away because they wanted the water for their own flock. Right. Now this is the second time where Moses. Uh, well, while the shepherds came, he drove them away. Mm-hmm. And it said, once again, Moses demonstrates his uh, sensit- sensitivity to injustice. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, the first time was with
0: the, you know, so this was the second time. That's right. You want to add to that, Robert? Well, one of the things that jumped out um, to me was that he hit the box. Yeah. And then he was trying to, you know... Um, Get away
2: with it, yes, um, which is
0: something that you you, you, you it's pretty typical among sinners, right? Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve hide after, after this. Read <laughs> 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 up,
1: yes. Uh, he Moses did hide him in the sand, and I went back to Genesis where Cain kills Abel, mm-hmm. and then the Lord says the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So you probably buried him too. Right? Or Maybe, I don't know if he buried him.
0: but Uh, We can't conclude that from from that passage. Dorian was a man of
2: boldness, so he didn't just see the injustice, but he acted on it. So he acted upon the Egyptian when he saw the two men fighting. He acted upon
0: So he was a, a man who, who was very bold. Mm-hmm. Yes. We see his boldness throughout the passage. Anything else as far as what does our text show about Moses? Get down. Miguel.
2: He has a certain
0: love for his
2: people. Mm-hmm. Which I think demonstrates in some way this love of God towards his people. Yes. He, he saw the Hebrews of them, despite having been raised mm-hmm. not with them. Yes. So he had this strong bond uh,
0: with them. So it shows a lot of God's own love for people. Mm-hmm. He had a deep love for his fellow Hebrews that reflects God's love. Then the second question I put in the bulletin asks What is the significance of the events in this passage? Think about this passage's relationship to the rest of the book. Significance of the events in this passage. Gila, was well, this to start off well? Um, he ends up leading Israel out of Egypt, but here he's fleeing from Egypt. So he will eventually will lead Israel out of Egypt. Things don't start well. Right, right. Mom. God's preparing him for leading his people
1: out of Egypt. Yes, Leading the sheep is probably a difficult task. And so he kind of got a first-hand training to prepare him for leading his people.
0: Yes, the Lord is preparing Moses uh, for leading and shepherding Israel. Liz? Verse 14
2: kind of popped out. Who made you a Yes.
1: Um, Sixty-eight years later, but um, yeah. yeah, so yeah, that, the irony of that.
2: Yeah. Dorian. Uh, it would be the situation that would drive him into the wilderness, and ultimately, this man of boldness would be broken. Yes. And God would be the one whose great strength is shown not coming.
0: Yes. So this brings Moses into the wilderness. Or he's broken. Very important part of his preparation. This bold man is broken in the wilderness. Be prepared to be used by the Lord. Yes, Rita. uh, When
1: uh, when Moses was a baby, he was almost killed. A lot of the babies. Mm -hmm. And now we have Pharaoh after him, trying to kill him.
0: Yes. When he was a baby, the Pharaoh tried to kill him. Um, And now, as a 40-year-old, the Pharaoh tries to kill him. The Lord preserves him each time. Uh, yes, Debbie. I'm not
1: sure if this is right or not, but um, wasn't he afraid to go back to Egypt because he wasn't sure how his own people would treat
0: him? I think so. Certainly f- afraid of Pharaoh. Yeah. But uh, how will the, the, the people know that I'm really speaking for you? How, how, how will the people know to trust and believe my words? A fear that his message wouldn't go over well. Okay, let's let's dig into this passage together. Uh, There's two halves to the passage. In the first half, we have the failed attempt of Moses to deliver his people. The failed attempt of Moses to deliver his people. Look closely at verse 11. One day, when Moses had grown up... Now we know from Acts 7... That 40 years have gone by. Acts 7.23, which I put in the notes, says, and this is in the middle of Stephen's uh, sermon, uh, before he is martyred. Acts 7.23, Stephen says of Moses, When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. That corresponds to uh, the beginning of our text tonight. So, Moses is 40 years old when we come here uh, to verse 11. Forty years have gone by uh, since the last event in this book, uh, when, or at least 40 years since the birth of Moses, uh, when he was put in that basket um, in the Nile River, and uh, the the princess uh, spared his life. He's now 40 years old. Now, in those 40 years, Moses received a royal education. Remember, he was adopted by the princess in Egypt. Acts 7, 21-22 says, And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and he was mighty in his words and deeds. He was instructed as the prince. He was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He probably was educated in reading and writing Egyptian scripts, in copying text, in writing letters and other formal documents. He likely learned sports such as archery and horseback riding. He probably learned something of the languages and geography of Canaan as Canaan was a very significant uh, area um, and Egypt would have great interests in that area because a lot of trade would go through Canaan um, either trade going out of Egypt or coming into Egypt Um, They would go through Canaan in order to fight against enemies and so forth Moses uh, probably learned something of the languages and geography of Canaan. He likely studied law and government administration, which would have involved familiarity with the practices of other nations as well as those of Egypt. He would have been trained to some degree uh, in military matters. So he really received a royal education. Uh, His Egyptian education was part of God's providential preparation of Moses. Preparing Moses for the task that the Lord had for him. But other parts of his preparation were yet to come. Uh, Look with me at verse 11 again. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. One of his people. Notice that the verse says that Moses went out to his people. Literally, as the Legacy Standard Bible translates it, his brothers. Um, one day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his brothers. He went out to his people and looked on their burdens, Looked on the burdens that the Egyptians had cruelly placed on the Hebrews. Paul's, I'm sorry, Moses' brothers, his people. And Moses saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and it says, one of his people, one of his brothers. This Egyptian was probably an Egyptian slave driver beating either a Hebrew foreman or one of the other Hebrew slaves who were working for that Egyptian slave driver. Now, here in verse 11, what does Moses seem to know about himself? What does he seem to know about himself? Caleb? Is a Hebrew. That he's a Hebrew. We don't know how he knew he was a Hebrew. But he seems to know he is a Hebrew. The way it's narrated, it sounds like Moses sees the Hebrews as his brothers. He sees the Hebrews as his people. Now maybe in the time when he was really young, when he was being raised by Jochebed and his father, perhaps that teaching put it into his mind that he was a Hebrew and he <clears> never <throat> forgot. Or perhaps later on in life, somehow someone revealed that to him. We don't know. Yes. Wasn't it, probably... it and his sister that helped take care of him? Yes. 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 Perhaps she... up, up until the point when he went into the princess's palace. We don't know how many years that was. Okay. That Miriam uh, and and Jockabed... She knew who he was. Yeah. So, somehow, he he appears to know he is a Hebrew. He's not truly an Egyptian. Look at verse 12. So he has seen an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. Verse 12, he looked this way and that... And seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Here, Moses delivered his fellow Hebrew. Now Moses appears not to have authority to do this. He makes sure there's nobody around to see this before he does it. And then after he kills the Egyptian, he hides his body in the sand. Moses appears not to have authority uh, to kill this Egyptian. Moses seems to understand that this is an act of treason. The Hebrews were enslaved by Egypt. Pharaoh was afraid that the Hebrews were going to revolt, and they were going to escape. This would be viewed by Pharaoh as treason Moses seems to understand this Moses here appears to act out of love for his fellow Hebrews and righteous indignation over their plight in love and in indignation that he delivers his fellow Hebrew striking and killing the Egyptians Now, this is a decisive moment in Moses' life. I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 11 to see how this moment is spoken of in Hebrews 11. What is Hebrews 11 about? Faith? What do we have a lot of examples of in Hebrews 11? Did All right, faithful people. people, God's people who trusted him, who believed in him, and their faith was shown outwardly, the faith in a faithful God. Hebrews 11, let's begin at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to no longer identify with the Egyptians. No longer identify himself as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. But rather he chose to identify with his fellow Hebrews. At whatever the cost would be. He was willing to be mistreated with the people of God. He'd rather do that than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of the sin that was so bound up in the culture of Egypt. He would rather be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the Egyptian pleasures. He considered the reproach of Christ, which his fellow Hebrews were receiving. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt that he was turning his back. For he was looking to the reward. You can come back to our text. Hebrews 2, 11 and 12. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that. And seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The question was, would Moses continue to lead the life of an Egyptian prince filled with pomp, power, and pleasantry? Or would he act to deliver his people from their sufferings? He acted to deliver his people from their sufferings. Now, the Bible does not say if Moses was right or wrong in doing this, in killing the Egyptian as he was delivering the Hebrew. But it will become clear that Moses' efforts failed. Let's continue in verse 13. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? And he answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Moses was afraid, and thought, surely the thing is known. Here, Moses breaks up a fight uh, between two Hebrews. Moses apparently determines which man is in the wrong. And he tries to bring about reconciliation. And the Hebrew who is in the wrong rejects Moses' efforts with the words, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses Moses tried to hide what he had done to the Egyptian. But now other people know. Likely the Hebrew whom Moses rescued the previous day told others. That's what you would want to do if you had been rescued like that. The Hebrew, who is now questioning Moses, is seeking to put Moses in his place. We don't want you to rule over us. Who do you think you are? And he instills fear in Moses as he brings up the fact that he knows what Moses did to that Egyptian. He knows what, what Moses was trying to keep as a secret. Continue in verse 15. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. That is, when Pharaoh heard of Moses killing the Egyptian, Pharaoh sought to kill Moses. Not so much to avenge the death of the Egyptian, as to deal with the discovery that Moses is acting as a friend and possible champion of the Israelites. To Pharaoh is probably not a big deal, the life of one Egyptian. But what is a big deal to the Pharaoh is that Moses has turned on him. That Moses has made himself a friend of the Hebrews. And a possible champion of their cause. Pharaoh seeks to kill Moses. Verse 15 continues, But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. So he flees out of Egypt, and goes to the land of Midian, uh, that he might escape the wrath of Pharaoh. The Midianites were descendants of Abraham and his wife Keturah. I don't know if I ever noticed that before. Uh, the Midianites were descendants of Abraham and his wife Keturah. I put in your notes, Genesis 25, 1-6. through 6. Uh, This was after Sarah died. We read... Abraham took another wife, whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. All these were the children of Keturah. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac, but to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac, eastward to the east country. So, after Isaac was born, Abraham had more children. He had those children with Keturah. um, And one of the sons who was born was named Midian, uh, the, the father of the Midianite people. This is where the Midianites came from. What we learn about here in our text in Exodus 2. Some of the Midianites may have retained the knowledge of God and the worship of the God of Abraham. Certainly, we would expect that Abraham would have taught these children, uh, who he had with Keturah. He certainly would have taught them of the true God and taught them how to worship the true God. Uh, And some of that knowledge of God and some of that worship of the true God probably was retained Uh, by some of the Midianites. Now, in a strict sense, the land of Midian was the land on the Arabian Peninsula that is along the eastern shore of the Gulf of Aqaba, in modern-day Saudi Arabia. The modern Israeli city, Elot, is close to this region. I think there's a few of you here who have been to Elot. If you've been to Elot, you were very close uh, to the the area uh, that is called the land of Midian. However, the Midianites were nomads, and they could be found over a considerable area on either side of the Gulf of Aqaba, um, uh, the western side being in the Sinai Peninsula. So Moses flees from Pharaoh and stays in the land of Midian. It could have been on the Sinai Peninsula um, near the Gulf of Aqaba. And we read in verse 15 that Abraham sat down by a well. A well would have been at the center of a Midianite community. Uh, That's a desert region. You don't have a whole lot of water. And and so where there is a well, you're going to have... That's going to be where people are going to, to live. So the well would have been at the center of that Midianite community. Hebrews 11, 27, which I put in your notes, says, By faith Moses left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And let's turn over to Acts 7 to see what Stephen says about these events that we just read of. Acts chapter 7, verse 23. inspired commentary on our passage, Acts 7.23, Stephen says, when Moses was 40 years old, he came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man, and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. In the verses that we've studied so far, here in Exodus 2, verses 11 through 15, we see Moses' initial attempts at delivering his people. His initial attempts at delivering his people were carried out in his own strength and by his own wisdom. This Egyptian taskmaster is severely beating my fellow Hebrew. I'm going to just step in i then going to put him to death if that's what it takes to deliver my fellow Hebrew. His attempt at delivering his people was done in his own strength and by his own wisdom. And his initial attempt at delivering his people failed. He ended up having to run for his life away from the people that he wanted to deliver. And for 40 years, He would live in exile. Forty years. Yet, the the outcome of this was in accordance with God's great plan. In the second section of our text, we see the Lord's preparation of Moses to deliver the Lord's people. The Lord's preparation of Moses to deliver the Lord's people. Look at verse 16. Now, the priest of Midian had seven daughters. Now this man, who's called the priest of Midian, he was not necessarily Midian's only priest. They may have had other priests as well. And this priest of Midian uh, appears to be similar to Melchizedek. In Genesis, uh, we meet Melchizedek, uh, who was a priest of the one true God. And uh, Abraham uh, gives him tithes. All right. We have something similar here in the priest of Midian. He's called Ruel in verse 18, and Jethro later in Exodus. One man uh, with two names, as many of the characters in the Bible uh, had at least two names. In verse 16, we read, Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them. And watered their flock. So, you know, when you were taking care of sheep and goats, uh, like these daughters of Ruel are doing, uh, you would need to bring the flock to a well, and you would take, you would draw water from that well, and you would pour that water into troughs that were right there next to the well, uh, so that your sheep and your goats. Uh, could drink the water they needed out of those troughs. And that's what these seven daughters uh, of Ruel are doing, uh, as they care for uh, their fathers, sheep, and goats. Uh, But we have a problem here. Uh, Other shepherds come and drive away these daughters, uh, but Moses is right there witnessing this. Moses stands up. What are we told that he does? What's the word that's used? He saved them. Moses saved them and watered their flock. This anticipates Moses' future work as the redeemer and leader of the Lord's people. Continue in verse 18. When they came home to their father, Ruel, he said, How is it that you have come home so soon today? They said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds. So, Moses still had the appearance of an Egyptian at this point. They said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds, and even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. It would be very customary in that society, if, if someone treats you well, then you need to show hospitality to them. Call him. That, that he may eat bread. We want to share a meal with him. Yes, Rita. Well, I, I read this, that
1: eating bread was more than a casual bite to eat. Mm-hmm. He was
0: recruiting Moses to marry one of his daughters. <laughs> that will happen. <laughs> uh, uh, eating together was very important in that society. It wasn't just about the food. You know, that that was a time of fellowship together. A time of, 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 of friendship. Or a, a family. Uh, relationships uh, were established and maintained over meals. Call him that he may eat bread. Verse 21 And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter, Zipporah. So, Ruel gave Moses protection, it gave him a place to stay, and even gave him a wife. And presumably, Moses served Ruel in. Return. The name of Ruel's daughter, whom he gives to Moses as a wife, is Zipporah. Zipporah appears here to be a Midianite. And she seems to be called a Cushite in Numbers 12, verse 1. So perhaps she was of both ancestries. Um, perhaps she was both Midianite and Cushite. Verse 22, she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Now, in that day, when you gave a name to your child, you chose the name based on what it meant. Not so much how it sounded, uh, not so much in it being unique, but on the meaning of the name. And so here, specifically, Moses chooses the name Gershom for his son. Uh, The reason why he picks this name is, he says, for I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Now, we need to ask ourselves, what land is he talking about? I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. It's possible he's talking about in the land of Midian, where he presently is. And the NIV interprets it that way because they translate it, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. However, the ESV leaves open the possibility that the foreign land is not Midian, but Egypt. Called it in Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. I'm not an Egyptian. I've identified with my people, the Hebrews. Through our sojourners in Egypt, awaiting the fulfillment of God's promise to deliver us from Egypt and to bring us into the land that he promised to our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the land of Canaan. <clears throat> For all the status that Moses had enjoyed in Egypt, he had not really belonged He was just a sojourn. Now Moses would live in Midian 40 years, according to Acts chapter 7, verse 30. So how old was he at the beginning of our text when he fled from Egypt? 40. And then how old will he be at the end of his time in Midian? 80. So he first spends 40 years in Egypt, and then 40 years in Midian living Two very different kinds of life. Moses would live in Midian 40 years working as a shepherd. The second stage of Moses' training for his future role as the deliverer and leader of the Lord's people is the training he receives from the Lord while he is in Midian serving his father-in-law as a shepherd. Now, Moses had no idea what the Lord was doing in his life. Now, think about the sense of failure Moses could easily have had as he was in Midian. He wanted to deliver his fellow Hebrews. And when he finally acted on that desire to deliver them, He went about it in the wrong way, and he ended up in exile. He ended up being banished from the presence of the people he wanted to deliver. You can imagine how he could have gone back to that time where he killed that Egyptian and said, I wish I could go back and change that. I went about that in the wrong way. I'm a failure. You could have thought that. Moses had no idea how God was, while he was in Midian, preparing him for the great task of delivering his fellow Hebrews out of Egypt and leading them on the Lord's behalf to Sinai and into the edge of the promised land he had no idea. Now these 40 years in Midian were not wasted years. But they were times of further maturing and reflecting on the things of God. Moses needed the discipline of physical toil and the lessons that shepherding conveys. While Moses shepherded the flocks, God was preparing him to shepherd men. Isn't that a pattern of God? What was, Mo- what was David before he became the king of Israel? shepherd. The shepherd. God was preparing David as he was a shepherd. A lowly shepherd boy. Preparing him to be the shepherd of the nation of Israel. And so for 40 years, Moses was shepherding sheep and goats. As God was preparing him to shepherd men. In this narrative, Moses went from prince in Pharaoh's house, to fugitive, to virtual exile in a foreign land. As the future covenant mediator, Moses needed to experience failure, rejection, exile, and suffering, so that he would be able to identify with the people whom he would represent. He will be God's chosen mediator. The mediator between God and the Israelites. And a mediator must represent both parties. And here, in the events that we read in our text, Moses was learning to identify with his fellow humans. How could a prince of Egypt, who lived in a palace with treasures, how could he relate to his fellow Hebrews who were slaves. In these events, the Lord's teaching them to identify with his people as he experiences failure, rejection, exile, and suffering. Moses' failure showed that the salvation that would be given to the Israelites was of divine origin. When Moses acted in his own strength, according to his own wisdom and by his own timetable, the outcome was failure. The the deliverance that Israel would experience could only be explained by divine intervention and divine power. Just just think about what's going to happen. (laughs) How God will deliver his people out of Pharaoh's hand. How he will deliver his people from the Egyptian army at the Red Sea. The deliverance that Israel will experience will only be explained by divine intervention and divine power. It will have nothing to do with human strength and human wisdom. What Moses was flexing when he first tried to deliver his people. And it would be divine intervention and power operating through, through one who had failed. The Bible shows us how God has worked over and over again through weak men and women... To accomplish his great redemptive purposes. Just sometimes think through the whole biblical narrative. It you might find every example you can think of of God working through weak men and weak women to accomplish his great redemptive purposes. This is what God delights to do. Moses had to be broken, Moses had to be humble. Now, this does not mean that preparation is unimportant. That God delights to use weak people to accomplish His great purposes. This does not mean that preparation is unimportant. It means preparation is very important. And part of that preparation is learning humility and dependence upon the Lord. The preparation that Moses received in Egypt, as he received an Egyptian Royal education, that was important in God's sight. That was part of God's providential preparation of Moses. And another part of the preparation was the humbling of Moses. The teaching of Moses to depend upon the Lord's strength, and the Lord's wisdom, and the Lord's word. All of it was necessary preparation. Sometimes the preparation for ministry is longer than the ministry itself. Moses was prepared over a course of 80 years for a ministry that would last 40 years. Now in our culture, we like to prepare quickly. And so there's a temptation to take shortcuts in our preparation for ministry. You see that on the mission field, sadly, it's rampant right now. Being encouraged, people with almost no preparation to just go overseas. God delights to perfect His power in our weakness. Recognize your weakness and go. God will use you. Preparation is important in God's sight. And often it takes many years to prepare for the ministry that God has in store for you. We have to have patience as we are being prepared for the ministry that God has in store for us. Let me ask you, how have you responded to your failures? At the beginning I shared one of my failures that was very hard for me, for my mind to get past. How have you responded to your failures? While well, we must take responsibility for our sin and turn from it, we also need to recognize our failures to be part of God's sovereign preparation of us for future involvement in God's purposes. Failures are opportunities to learn and to grow. God used Moses' failure to teach him and mature him. Moses came back from Midian a different man. And the man who fled from Pharaoh to Midian. The Lord taught Moses some things. He was maturing him. The Lord will use your failures in the same way to grow you, to mature you. As long as you don't keep going back over and over in your mind, oh, I wish I could go back and change. trust your Heavenly Father, to trust his sovereignty over these things and say, Lord, what am I to learn from this? How am I to grow from this? Teach me, grow me, that I might be prepared for what you have in store for me. Well, do you have any questions or comments on anything that we have seen uh, tonight? Diane? Once again, we see
2: the grace of God magnified. I mean, in many ways we see the same sort of pattern from even Genesis when Jacob fled because of his deceit Peter and Moses was fleeing because of his murder and so God is, is showing us continually that he, he uses uh, the worst of the worst and, and changes them um, and even as you were talking about preparation we see that example even in, in, in Christ 30 years yes for a three-year ministry. Yes. And uh, how much more do we need to look to God to help prepare us for those things that he has for us? But not to just be idle and sit but but know that, that there is preparation next, that's needed.
0: I hadn't thought about that. 30 years of preparation in Jesus' life for a three-year ministry. Gabriel. I'm sorry, not Gabriel. Miguel. Um,
2: I had a question um, that came up as I read uh, James 1, uh, 2, verse 2, uh, this week. Mm -hmm. Is the preparation that you're mentioning uh, equal to trials that Mm -hmm. we go through? Our trials preparation, you say? The
0: trials are part of our preparation. Okay. There's more to our preparation than the trials. Okay. So, you know, part of our preparation for future ministry is the study of God's Word. Okay. Uh, another part of our preparation is trials. As James says, that God uses that to, right. to grow right. us, to mature us. Right, okay. Good question. Other questions, comments? Go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this passage of Scripture. And Lord, we thank you that we see in Scripture people that we can relate to. We we fail. And we can relate to Moses who failed. We thank you that you who are the who were or you who are the God of Moses are our God as well. Lord, I pray that you would enable us to, to learn from our failures and to mature following our failures. We pray, Father, that you would remind us throughout the coming week, month, and year, of what we see here, of how you were preparing Moses. You didn't need someone of great physical strength. You didn't need someone of great uh, human wisdom. You needed someone whom you had prepared You were teaching Moses to depend upon you. You were humbling him. And shepherding sheep so that he could shepherd people. Oh Lord, you don't need us. We need you. And we need your grace in order to to serve you. Lord, here we are. We, we, We want to serve you. Uh, We want to be used by you. And so we we ask you, Father, to prepare us uh, for whatever ways that you see fit uh, to use us for your glory. Lord, may we not do things in our own way, uh, but may we trust your sovereign hand. And may we trust your way. We pray in Jesus' name mm mm-hmm.